you know, the ease of use of chat GPT is just extraordinary. I think that's the most extraordinary thing. Is you need you don't need to learn how to use chat GPT. It's absolutely instinctive, and that's the beauty of it, I, I would say. But you need to understand how it works, how you can be good at prompting chat GPT uh, and getting the, the best out of it. That's the technological intelligence. Welcome back, everybody, to Destiny Benders. Uh, hey, Jess, how's it going? It's going well, Girish. Thank you for asking. We have had some beautiful weather here in the United Kingdom. Unusually, Unusual, I would imagine. Some yeah. sun, maybe. Some sun, lots of sun. It's, we've actually had about two or three weeks solid of sun, um, which is just crazy nuts. And it's actually a little bit dry now because we haven't had rain for so long. So anyway, I'm enjoying the start of the summer. How is it in Minnesota? It's pretty good. It's pretty warm. Uh, you know, we feel like we never had a spring. We went straight from winter to <laughs> summer, back to winter, and now we're back in summer again. Uh, but that's Minnesota for you. If you don't like the weather, wait 15 minutes and uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, I'm glad we're back uh, to the podcast. Who's our guest today? Our guest today on Destiny Benders, this is episode two, we've got Boris Walbaum, who is the founder and president of Forward College, which is a college based out of France. So I'm really excited. It's kind of a, a new college and a new way of higher education. So I'm excited to hear about what he has to say and why he decided to found a college. Yeah, so am I. I don't know him, so I'm really curious and intrigued by the model that he has set up in three different countries. So let's mm -hmm. welcome Boris. So welcome back to Destiny Benders. Today we have as our guest, Boris Walbaum, who is the president and founder of Forward College. Boris, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Jessica. Hi, Boris. It's such a pleasure to meet you. Uh, thank you again for making time for us. I'm really intrigued to learn all about Forward College and what you're doing there. But before we get there, we always ask, how did you get to where you are today? What's your story? Hi, Garish. Um, it's a long story, so I try to make it short. Uh, I think when, when, I, when I was a kid, I always dreamt to create a new kind of school because I found the school was ugly and was rather boring. So it's it's a deep-rooted aspiration that I have. Actually, I've uh, observed and, and meddled in uh, education from various points of view as a civil servant in, in government in France, as a social entrepreneur working in the field of equal opportunity, where I founded uh, the number one uh, charity in Europe to support 150,000 um, students every year, um, and, and as a consultant. And my, you know, apart from my interest for education, I just had this feeling that uh, although I was helping these uh, higher education institutions catch up with with uh, the pace of the of change of the world, they couldn't catch up, and and the gap between what they were able to offer and and what the world was expecting in terms of skills, but also in terms of societal challenges was just widening. So I, I thought it was high time something new uh, was created. I think, Boris, one thing I had said to you before when we met previously was that higher education, traditional higher education, there are quite a few people who agree that the way the original model or the traditional model is, is not 
fit for purpose in a lot of situations and certainly for preparing students for the jobs that are out there. We hear that um, reference all the time that the jobs of tomorrow don't even exist today. And, you know, how can you prepare students for that? So there's a there's many people who have this sentiment, but I think I said to you once before, I was like, but they don't all go out and start a new college and decide I'm going to found a college. So talk us through how did that get started? You were working, you said previously in you know civil sector, and then you had this dream and this idea. How did you manage to make it a reality? Can you kind of talk us through that story? Yes, sure. I mean, I think it was in, in August 2018, uh, during my holidays, I woke up maybe at 3 a.m. And um, I don't know how it came to my mind, but I this dream of creating a school came back to me. And I just realized if I don't do it now, uh, I was uh, I was 46 at that time. Uh, if I don't do it now, I won't be able to do it later on. I will never do it. And that's quite a good kick, you know, um, to, to start something. Uh, and um, so I was, you know, I started brainstorming. Obviously, it took, you know, some time before I came up with the first idea and then pivot and pivot and pivot again. And then, you know, kind of grasp a, a, a robust enough concept. I think it's um, it's a combination of, you know, um, well, an entrepreneurial spirit. You know, I had funded my consultancy. I had funded my... Uh, my charity, so I like to found new things. I just—it's very hard for me to work in a in an organization that is set in its in its ways. Um, so I will always challenge how we do things. So I think it's part of my DNA, I would say. And I, as I said, you know, from from my you know early years, I've been passionate about education. And and I think observed all this, I was just you know had this compelling feeling that I needed to start something. So I, I I can explain, but it's very subjective, you know. I'm really curious. I know you're talking about I was an entrepreneur. I want to change things, whatever. As a fellow entrepreneur, I, I understand and I recognize the 3 a.m. ideas that you get that you want to go work on. But I'm curious about who you are. Like, I mean, what makes you an entrepreneur? So let's kind of go back a little bit. Tell us about, like, I mean, you said even as a child, you wanted to change education because the school was ugly or whatever you said. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that journey, right? I mean, you're going to school, you went to college, I'm not sure what you studied. What were some of those experiences that you had that led you to where you are today? Uh, I think I had really two phases in my professional life uh, before Forward College. One was just, you know, about getting higher in terms of, you know, how success was designed in our society at the time. So in France, for instance, it's very prestigious to become a civil servant and to go through this school, this government school called ENA, uh, mm -hmm. from which all, you know, presidents, uh, prime ministers, ministers, CEOs come from. Uh, so it's been my kind of my intellectual challenge. I really saw that as a, an intellectual challenge. But also, you get to um, very interesting positions, you meet, you know, at a young age, uh, very influential people, so it's a way to discover, you know, the how the power plates uh, are operate in the world of business, but also in, in in the world of politics. So, but it was not really my, you know, choice um, of heart, if I may say. Uh, and then, you know, going to McKinsey is more or less the same, but in, in in the private sector, in the business sector. So it was very much about going upward, you know, and and without making a clear choice. And and yes, quite suddenly. I, I felt the need to reconnect with uh, my passion for education. 
Um, and that's why I left McKinsey. I founded my own consultancy in the field of education, supporting universities um, in France and, and, and abroad, uh, and also this uh, this charity. Um, and then I think I think I discovered something which is in in forward's DNA, which is the variety of forms of intelligence of human intelligence. Um, you know, having followed this idea that, you know, people were more or less intelligent, I was very surprised working with underprivileged students to see how amazing they were in terms of resilience, in terms of um, their ability to adapt. Uh, so I discovered that, you know, it's not because you are smart that you are, you know, very good at connecting with people, that you are very good at managing your own emotions, connecting deeply with people, being resilient to yourself, managing your stress, or that you, that you are good at being an entrepreneur and making things happen. You know, you know, we know all, all, all sorts of very smart people who are not able to, you know, to achieve anything significant um, in reality. So that's really, that was a, a very important discovery and it changed my life and my perception of education. And that's what I tried to, to take to universities, but they wouldn't listen to that. They were very much into, you know, the academic way of selecting and validating the, the skills of knowledge, obsessed with knowledge. I think knowledge is great, but knowledge is everywhere. So I think the, the great thing is about, you know, understanding, but even more now, questioning. So that's really what, what, what drove me. And they, this, this has been the second part of my journey, fascinated, fascinated by, by this world. It was a bit tougher because you don't have, you know, you, you're just off the radar, you know, in the beginning, my first year, part of the, my professional career, I would be in think tanks and so on. And everybody would like to work with me. Uh, I was always the youngest, you know, in a meeting. Um, and suddenly I was a young entrepreneur with, with nothing special and, and, and few people working with me. Um, but it was great. And I think it's, uh, it's how you, you, yeah, you maintain a certain, um, form of youth, I would say. Now, I want to hear more about this charity and the work that you just referred to with the underprivileged children. But before that, I have a question. Has your definition of success changed over the years? You know, the, the first question of our first video at Forward College was, what is success? And I think it's an absolutely crucial question. I don't want to understand the question, you know, because everybody should have his of her form of success, representation. It's very important. It's not easy to find what this success means for you. And that's, uh, you know, um, a discovery I made at 50. So I'm passing out to, 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 to you and your auditors. Some wisdom from a 50-year-old. Yeah, younger. I think <laughs> success is about owning your own narrative. It's not about, about external validation. It's about your internal validation, your ability to make sense of your own life, even if it's a life of failure. You know, we, we, we are passionate by uh, stories of, you know, dramatic stories that are full of, of, of failures. What, what, what is, is important is to, yeah, to make sense of it, to, to, to reflect on one's life saying, okay, that was tough. That's a tough life. That's also um, what it is to be human. It's going through difficulties, uh, tragedies sometimes. Uh, sometimes it's happy, you know, so, but it's really this internal and reflective work that I think um, conduces you, uh, conducts you towards uh, success. But how do you balance that with what the society's expectations are? I mean, I think a lot of us are kind of stuck in that. I mean, I talk to students all the time, especially in India, for example, like you said, being in the civil service is a huge thing, but Harvard, MIT, Stanford, that's the only success. If not, I'm not successful, right? You know what I mean? 
Yeah, of course, I know, because it's it's been my own story. And you know, as you said, I, I deeply believe in the sense of balance. So I'm not stay, saying, you know, you should not look for societal validation. And we are social animals, but we're also emotional animals in your world. So it's it's exactly about maintaining maintaining this balance. You 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 need to say things to the world uh, that are specific to you. Sometimes it's hard uh, to get your message across, and and you try to to get some validation. And it's kind of an iterative process. And you know, I went through these prestigious schools in France because I, I wanted this, and I it gave me an extraordinary liberty. It gave me the freedom to start a new charity because I had connections. Although I was of the Raiders, I had a network that I leveraged to, to get funding. So it's great if you have the ability to go through you know, a great institution like Stanford, Harvard, or Forward College. Um, you should definitely go to it. It's about maintaining this balance. And we're talking about success and what is success. And I think alongside that, thinking about your career and what you've done. So, you know, founded uh, a consultancy, well, started at McKinsey, found your own consultancy, a charity, which we'll talk about, as we said, and now Forward Ecology. What, what is your most, your proudest moment of all of those things that you've done and what you've achieved? And I know you're, you've still got a lot more to go, you know, you've not, you're not finished this journey, but so far thinking back, what, where do you feel the most proud of what you've done? It was at the end of a summer campus at Article 1, this charity we were talking about, uh, supporting students from underprivileged backgrounds. Um, after these three days of um, gathering of 100 students together, they uh, one young uh, girl went to me and she said, it's the first time I feel at home. Yeah. And and this this idea that students coming from an underprivileged background, aiming high, uh, go through a you know, a very difficult journey, and it's an endless journey, actually. And being able to offer to them not a fixed home, but kind of a community that feels like home, because they have the same aspirations, they've been through the same challenges, is extremely uh, powerful, I, I feel. And that's that's, and I cannot think of this moment without uh, emotion. And, you know, Forward College is about making your studies a journey. And I deeply believe that, um, and we may talk about mental health issues and so on, um, but I, I really think that education should be about pushing students out of their comfort zone, confronting them with challenges, but with the kind of caring support. So I deeply believe in this idea of journey and education as, as kind of the same concept. I think this is kind of a good segue into telling us a little bit more about your charity. We briefly have talked about it a little bit, but can you tell us like where was that seed inside of you to 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 found a charity? Um what is it exactly? Tell us the name and what do you do? Yeah, so uh, this uh, charity started in uh, 2004. It's called Article 1 in reference of the first article of the Declaration of Human Rights, uh, the French one. Uh, humans are born and remain equal in rights. So this was the end of the privileges when your birth determined your social, your social career, your, your, your status. Uh, so it's really the moment when the French society broke free of these uh, these uh, these social categories um, determined by birth. So that's kind of the aspiration. But uh, my personal aspiration was it's it's rooted in my sense of justice. I cannot, um, especially if, if if I'm confronted to injustice, 
Uh, and I think it's very important um, to be confronted with 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 unjust situation because you talking about things that are unfair is is something confront being confronted emotionally just only as a witness. See, you know, just read and that came to me as in the form of a of a letter written to my minister of a student who wanted to study uh, pharmacy and. She she was in a small she lived in a small village uh, in the north of France. Her um, dad was a taxi was a, sorry a lorry driver, and uh, he had an accident, so he couldn't work anymore. He was you know, uh, drinking a lot. Uh, her mother was was you know cleaning homes, uh, so she she was very in a very you know underprivileged situation, tough situation. She, you know it's a poor background. You know, let's 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 use the word. And and she was asking for support to be able to to go to university. And you know, in our rich countries where education is supposed to be free, at least in France, it's the case. Higher education is free. Uh, you can access as soon as you have to get baccalaureate. Actually, I realized that we failed on this promise, um, and that really was a shock to me. Uh, and and I really uh, thought, you know, I need to have this 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 uh, this girl. And I set up the charity like this. Uh, in the beginning, we supported like 15 of them. It was very hard to, to find high talented uh, students coming from these backgrounds because, you know, there are few. Uh, but I think it's very important to help them because if these students are not supported in their success, uh, let's say the external or social success, then who will, you know? If if you are in a, in, a, in this small village in, in the north of whatever country. And if the good students at school are not able to succeed, nobody can succeed. So it's extraordinarily depressing for a whole neighborhood. So those who work um, need to succeed no matter what. Um, and that's how we started. And then it was 17 students, and then we doubled and doubled every year. And, and now we mentor uh, 40,000 students, and we have other programs to, to support uh, on other you know, uh, in other steps of the journey towards higher education. Boris, as you can tell, our podcast is called Destiny Benders for a reason. It's like mm -hmm. people like you who are best bending people's destinies and changing lives. So I'm curious. So you seem to have started and built an amazing charity that's helping all these students. Why forward college when you could have maybe poured more of your energy and your passion, which you're clearly very passionate about, to maybe expand Article 1? Or maybe there's some crossover or something spilling over into forward college, maybe. Tell us more about that. Uh, it's, it's a good question. I had spent 15 years uh, working at Article 1 and developing Article 1. I'm still chairman uh, of Article 1, so I'm, I'm still uh, in the, on, on this journey. Um, but what is frustrating with charity is that you don't, you don't own your business model, meaning that if you are successful and impactful with your beneficiaries, they are not your clients. So you, you don't grow because you have a great uh, program. You grow because you are able to find sponsors who support your, your program. Of course, they, they, they would rather support an impactful charity rather than a you know a, a poor charity but communication is also very important and at some point this disconnect between our ability the quality of what we were doing and our ability to grow that i felt was very much constrained 
by our ability to raise funds to people who are completely disconnected from our beneficiaries, you know, big Google.org, Accenture, Accenture Foundation, JP Morgan Foundation. They, they, are, they were and they are still great donors um, with, you know, grants in millions. Um, and it's a great support. But it's, you know, apart from them, it's a very tough job to, to, to get money. And, 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 and I want to grow. I want to grow. And the business model with business allows you to grow if you're successful. And I think it's very sound, uh, unless it's, it was difficult to do in this, in this film. Uh, so that was one motivation. The other, I told you, I wanted to, to create really uh, a school. We were around the universities, but at some time it was a bit frustrating to feel that we were supporting students around school, but on each side. And I felt that so much needed to be done inside at the core of the education system that I thought I could be more impactful even creating a college that would not only be much more relevant for uh, the, the, the decades to come, but also that would have an influence to the whole uh, higher education system. It's very bold, it's very ambitious uh, and audacious, but you know you need to be audacious, ambitious, and, and maybe uh, a bit um, you know bragging about your your what you are going to do. And too ambitious, maybe maybe uh, you need to do that if you're an entrepreneur. You need to dream big. So that's that's why I, I, I shifted. And and by the way, yeah, uh, an important aspect: this journey of Forward College, since to me the journey is really core um, of, of the education process, uh, is not only a ge geographic journey because students at Forward College go from Lisbon to Paris, to Berlin. It's also a social journey. It's about meeting people who are not from your nationality. There is no dominant nationality at Forward College. I think it's one of the very few institutions where you don't have any dominant nationality. Even in an Ivy League you know, um, university, it's, it's, it's really American. I mean, the culture, I mean, I don't know what your experience has been, but uh, the curriculum, the teaching, and the culture there Still, there are centuries of American culture. And what we're trying to do at Forward College is to build a culture that will emerge from a diversity of, of nationalities, but also a diversity of social backgrounds. So you are very much, we are very much committed to equal opportunity. We have more than 30% of our students who get financial aid. So my switch from the charity, business, social entrepreneurship to impact entrepreneurship is a transition rather than a shift. Because uh, Forward College is very much committed to uh, to equal opportunity, and we invest a lot in this. There's no doubt that you have changed lives or bent destinies through Article 1 and the thousands of students that the charity has helped. But looking to Forward College, you will also do the same with the students who are attending and will graduate ultimately from Forward College You've talked a little bit about Ford. I was going to ask you to tell us a bit more about the college and the curriculum. You've talked a little bit about that. Can you tell us what your your hopes or aspirations are for the outcomes? So for the students who write, I think right now you're in the middle of the first class, so you haven't actually had a graduating class yet. Is that correct at Forward? So for those students that graduate from Forward College, what are your aspirations for, for them, for the outcomes of the education that they will receive at Forward College next graduating class and then moving forward, you know, 5, 10, 15 years from now? Uh, when you create a higher education institution, you know, in, in, in this kind of league, you know, um, highly selective, um, you need to reassure as well as you need to suggest something new. 
so when when I think in terms of outcome, in terms of career uh, for our students, I think of you know masters in top universities in Europe and the U.S. Typically uh, in the in the UK, in uh, in the Netherlands, uh, in in international masters programs also uh, in Germany, uh, top business schools in Europe and so on. Uh, and then when I think of what they aspire to do, um, a lot of them want to be entrepreneurs, work in um, you know, in works in, in jobs related to climate change and social change. Uh, they want to make a difference. Um, so that's the, I mean, they are in year two, the elders are in year two, the youngest are, are in year one, as you, as you were suggesting. So they, they, they still need time to, um, to flourish. And they, this will be achieved through, you know, the, uh, academic partnership that we have with the University of London. So our students get, you know, a degree of the University of London under the supervision of the London School of Economics, because our programs are designed, our academic programs are designed either by the London School of Economics or by King's College in the field of social sciences, economics, politics, business, um, data science, psychology. Um, so this is very reassuring and, and there are smart kids and they need to be smart. But where we push it in terms of learning outcome, one step further, I think it's, it's, it's about this questioning. Uh, venturing, you know, journey is, is about venturing, exploring new territories. It's not about mastering uh, content. And of course, you need to master it in order to go one step further. But so we are very much into the art of questioning. Um, that's why we have this uh, Philip classroom, a bit like, you know, what they do at Oxford and Cambridge with these tutorials. Um, I think it's the right way, the more Socratic approach to knowledge. I think it's, it's really what we need to do at that moment. But, but forward college is not only about what we call the cognitive intelligence or the academic intelligence. So the reasoning, the knowledge and, and the ability to apply knowledge. It's about all these other forms of human intelligence, uh, the social intelligence, the emotional intelligence, the practical intelligence and the technological intelligence. By, by technological intelligence, I mean our ability to interact with machines. How many types of softwares do you know? How many types of software are you good at? Um, how deep do you understand how they were? It's like, you know, human interactions, but in the field of technology. And it's, we will interact with more and more with humans, but, but, but more and more with machines. And, and we are seeing that clearly, uh, you know, the ease of use of chat GPT is just extraordinary. I think that's the most extraordinary thing. It's, you need, you don't need to learn how to use chat GPT. It's absolutely, uh, instinct, instinctive. And that's the beauty of it, I, I would say. But you need to understand how it works, how you can be good at prompting uh, chat GPT uh, and getting the, the best out of it. That's the technological intelligence. The practical intelligence is just about making decisions. You know, you can, as I was saying in the beginning, you can be super smart, be very good at socializing with others, but not able to make a decision and stick to it. You know, that that's something that is related to your willpower, to your um uh, ability to see things practically um, and, and have some persistence. Uh, and that's why we do a lot of entrepreneurship projects. They have you know, social projects in your one, uh, digital projects in your two, and, and consulting projects in your three. So that's very important to be able to do, to, to make a difference. Even if it's at small scale, we all know that making a difference is much harder than thinking or learning our lessons. We all know that. 
we feel so powerless when we start our first job, right? You know, after writing brilliant essays or whatever, or doing great calculations, suddenly when you start, it seems so dumb and so, you know, so stupid or so basic in comparison with what we were doing in, 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 in education, just because actually there are many other aspects to it that make it much more difficult. And that's what, what our students learn through their journey, their, their entrepreneurial journey, because they need to make something happen. It's not about designing a solution. It's about making it work. And that's the most difficult part. Not, not so much the design, but, you know, getting attention from, from people and so on. And the social and the emotional part is, is, is developed through personal development, but also the fact that they live together, that we have a very strong culture of building a community because we want them to feel at home in this community wandering from, you know, Lisbon to Paris and, and, and Berlin. Um, so yeah, that, that's very much the learning outcome for us is in a nutshell is allowing them to understand, to see themselves as in all the aspects of their human intelligences, you know, cognitive, social, emotional, practical, and technological. See what, what they are, you know, know what they are good at, where they are less good at. And, um, that can be fine. We cannot be great at everything. That's fine. As long as it's not problematic for you personally or professionally. So that's very much the sense of understanding who you, where you stand and strategizing on your own development. That's really our objective. Uh, and that's how you, you get autonomous learners, people who will be able to adapt and, 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 and face uncertainty and, and go through it. That's brilliant. A couple of things. First, I love your, uh, your the way you describe it as impact entrepreneurship. I, I love it. I'm going to steal that from you. So that's one. Um, two, I'm so happy you brought up ChatGPT because just knows that I'm always talking about ChatGPT on every conversation. So I'm loving that you're actually not utilizing it and doing that. But my question is, why with ChatGPT and the advances and the current day of work and the changing role of work in the world and all of that, why hasn't traditional education caught up to it? I mean, the way you're describing forward college seems like a very futuristic educational experience, which I think it should be. So I'm so happy to hear that. Why uh, doesn't the rest of education come up to speed? That's a fascinating question, uh, Garish. I, I... Maybe I'm not the, the best place to answer this question, um, but I have a few hypotheses. I think first, it's, it's deeply disturbing. I think we, we need to recognize the fact that ChatGPT is absolutely great, but also deeply disturbing. And I think one of the greatest challenges that we will face for our students is motivation, maintaining motivation while you know to write essays and to do other things, which I think, but doing, doing other things that ChatGPT, you know, making decisions, being resilient, it's not what ChatGPT can do. So I think that the, the, the real challenge will be to keep uh, our students motivated uh, as ChatGPT can do so easily, so quickly, what they will take hours uh, to, to write. And this is really a challenge. So I, that's why I really think that we need to invest the other parts of the human intelligence, not only because being a human being will, will be less about the cognitive part and more about the social emotional, but also because the emotional will be and will always be, is and will always be your source of motivation. And we need to be very careful to nurture these, these dimensions of, of human beings, especially in the, in the, the current um, environment and, and moment of, of, of mental health epidemics. 
Um, so it's 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 very important. But but for the the teachers, I mean, teachers are, are all about cognitive intelligence. They are all about writing essays, and they have been so for decades. So I think one of the big challenges for universities, and and few have done that, but some have. It's about defining precisely what is the area of relevance of chat GPT, where it is not only allowed, but encouraged or, you know, highly encouraged. If you don't use chat GPT, you will not be able to do the assignment, right? Um, you must be able to use it in a, in a very effective way because when you graduate, you will not be replaced by chat GPT, but you will be replaced by somebody who can use chat GPT. But you also need to define it precisely what is the area where ChatGPT is absolutely forbidden? Because it's not because we have calculator that we are, you know, we don't we don't learn how to calculate anymore. So we really need to be and be very intentional, very strict about it. You can't use ChatGPT, and it's not about saying it; it's about making sure that it is absolutely impossible during exams to use ChatGPT. So yeah, I mean, it's a huge challenge to the uh, academic tradition. Especially uh, of the you know top universities that are very much about knowledge. All right, Girish, I saw you while um, Boris was talking, <laughs> nodding vigorously and taking notes because some of the things he said uh, have really resonated. In particular, I think about the bit where you have to learn how to use it because if you can't use it, you're going to be replaced by someone who oh, knows how to use it. That I hadn't even thought about about looking at it in that way, actually. So that's a great point, Boris. I, I absolutely, that's why I was nodding my head so vigorously is because there's so many conversations where most of the people I'm talking to in the education world are figuring out how to ban ChatGPT. And I'm saying you can't. It is going to be an integral part of our life. You got to encourage people to understand how to best use it. So I love how what you said, you're not going to, replaced by ChatGPT, but you'll be replaced by somebody who knows how to use ChatGPT. Right. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the challenge for us as human beings, you know, beyond academia, um, is an imagination challenge. What are we going to do beyond what ChatGPT can do? You know, when there was this industrial revolution, you know, 95% of the population was was farming, you know, and the others were just either fighting or, or doing craftsmanship, right? Suddenly there was industry, okay, uh, factories. And so the number of farmers was considerably reduced, but there were many jobs produced, not only in, in, in the industries, in different industries, but also in the service industry that didn't exist before. So what will be the service industry of, our, of this technological revolution? While the emerging needs that we can cover thanks to, to, to AI and, and the, 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 how it will free and, and create productivity gains. Uh, and that, that, I think that's a fascinating challenge. It is, absolutely. I mean, there's so much to do, and I'm so excited to see some of the work that you're already doing with Forward College. So uh, more power to you. I want to be cognizant of time. I know we're coming up on the hour here. Uh, we always try to wrap up the conversation on a little lighter note. Uh, this has been an incredible conversation. I wish we could do another hour of it. Hopefully you and I can catch up offline and chat more about <laughs> ChatGPT. But as we you know, switch over to our, our quick fire questions, my first question to you, Boris, is what 
has been your most memorable memory or experience of your childhood? Of my childhood, you know, my wife has, you know, she has a great memory and I have a very weak memory. So, but I think the most vivid memory I have um, was when I was two years old and that's when my parents uh, separated. And um, I sensed that I had this, um, and I heard them, you know, kind of fight like, you know, uh, most couple, even those who don't get a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm saying that because, you know, although it was, I guess, uh, a bad moment for me as a child, to me, it made a lot of sense because now I try to reunite, to combine because, you know, I guess I, I, I dreamt of, you know, reuniting my parents. Um, and that's why I try to um, create a link through mentoring between generations and between different social backgrounds. That's why I want to combine academic excellence with more, you know, innovative, relevant ways of teaching. I very much into combining and, and reconciling. Uh, so, yeah, this is, has been a, a meaningful um, memory of my childhood. I'd like to ask, so these quick fire questions, the purpose of them is really to get to know, we've learned about you and your journey in international education, but to get to know Boris, who he is as a, you know, as a person outside of the professional sphere. We have, as I mentioned, a lot of listeners around the world, but a lot of them in the United States. You, Boris, live in Paris, a place where many Americans either want to go, aspire to go, or have been in love and want to go back. Tell us a little bit about your favorite place in Paris. If you could recommend maybe one or two, either a place to visit or a restaurant where they could get the best food in Paris, what would you tell somebody who wanted to go to your city? Yeah, I, I will I will um, offer two, two pieces of advice. One is to ride your bike along the, along the River Seine. It's absolutely fabulous. And well, I know Americans are are risk averse when it comes to you know riding the bike and so on. So no, 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 no blanket statement on every American. <laughs> it's absolutely car free. So you have you know secured bike lanes. It's absolutely fascinating. You know uh, the, the scenery in Paris from especially from uh, from the Pont Mirabeau where you have you know the the. Uh, the tube um, going through uh, above the, the bridge, um, sorry, Biriakem bridge, sorry, and uh, down to the Bastille. So it's a great ride, seven kilometers. You can do that, you know, very peacefully. And the second one, it's the best, you know, the, the best views in on Paris. The second one is a place that many, a few people know. It's the international city uh, of Paris, student city of Paris. That's where we have our campus. It's in the southern part of Paris. It's a park of approximately, uh, well, I don't know the, the, the size in, in, with acres, but um, it's a very big park where we, you have an amazing campus with 53 student houses, each in the style of a different country. So you have the house wow. of South Korea, you have the house of China, you have the house of the US, you have the house of India, a great one, by the way. Uh, you have the house of the United Kingdom and so on and so forth. And you see, you know, an incredible crowd of international students, um, very different pieces of architecture. So it's, it may not be, um, you know, in your guide, but it's something to discover because it's uh, absolutely fascinating in terms of architecture. I had no idea anything like that exists. Did you 
Girish, did you know oh, I about did not. that? No, I did not. I'm going to put that on my list for my next trip, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My last question to you is, obviously, our audience is a lot of international educators and are trying to come up with innovative ways to prepare uh, our students for the, the future. What is a book you're reading right now, or what is a book that you read recently that you would recommend that we all read, and why? Okay, so one for educators that I really loved uh, was written by um, Paul Leblanc, who um, has been uh, has chaired the um, American uh, Education Board, um, so the main association of presidents of colleges and universities. He's the president of the South uh, New Hampshire University, which is one of the biggest in the in the U.S. Uh, he's a great innovator, and his last book called Broken. Uh, how to fix our social systems and education system is absolutely brilliant. I really loved it. Deeply human. I think we need deeply human thoughts at the moment. Um, I love artificial intelligence, but it needs to be balanced by, by a lot of humanity. And I think he, he reaches that point. And the other one, you know, is Proust. I'm, I'm, I'm passionate with Marcel Proust, uh, who is a French writer, one of, I think, one of the best known, but not the easiest one. I think it's it's the equivalence of James Joyce in the in the British literature, um, <laughs> and of William Faulkner maybe in the in the, in the American literature. So not, not always easy to read in a very different you know style. Mm-hmm. But absolutely fascinating. And since I don't sleep very well, um, <laughs> most of the time I have a, between thirty and sixty minutes of uh, reading Proust every every evening and uh, every night. Yeah, he, he writes very long, uh, very long sentences. You know, five to ten to fifteen lines. Oh. It's great to go back to sleep. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, wonderful recommendation, of course. Uh, Boris, thank you so much. I mean, uh, like I said, I'm sure we could chat for another hour and not dig into everything that you're up to. But congrats on uh, Article One, and congratulations also on Forward College. We wish you the very best. Uh, all the wonderful things that you're doing. Thanks for being on Destiny Vendors. I, I, I hope to to be able to connect. And thank you very much, for Girish and Jessica, for your uh, fascinating questions. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for listening to Destiny Vendors. In the next episode, we speak with Linda Calhoun, who is the founder and CEO of Career Girls. Join us.